On this episode of the Faded Golf Podcast, we meet Kyle Kramer, head pro at Chatham Hills. We talk a lot about golf equipment as well as golf course design. We go into some, you know, our stories with Pete Dye as well as other golf architects. And we finish up with uh, testing a three Floyds pig destroyer combo ale. So check it out. I've got this one about two balls out to the right. I'm telling you, man, it's a speed putt. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 19 of the Faded Golf Podcast. I am Mark Tuline, as uh, as always, here with my compadre, Mr. John Falkenberg. John, how are you today? Pretty good, buddy. How you doing? Lovely. Uh, we are posted up here in John's uh, simulator room again playing uh, virtual crooked stick, crooked stick of caramel. And the cool part about playing virtual crooked stick of caramel is that we have a former assistant pro crooked stick and our head pro here at Chatham Hills on the podcast today, Kyle Kramer. Kyle. Hey, thanks for having podcast, me. Man. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, they got, what you guys got through about five? Yep. So we're on the sixth tee here. Six yep. tee. Six I'm tee. one down. It won't last that much longer though. <laughs> it's going to change. <laughs> No shots given, not at all. No shots given. John clearly is, clearly is taking the home field advantage in the simulator a little bit. He's Stroke been spending up. a lot of time on the computer, changing the settings. Yeah. A little aim, know how to putt a little better on this. But you guys tried the new Mizuno balls a yep, little bit did. in the simulator. They, uh, hard to tell, obviously, on a few shots, but, I mean, do they, f- do they feel any different? I, I think they feel like a little softer when you, I hit it. Is that how you kind of felt? It's yeah, just a little didn't, softer. Didn't have the same, uh, as much clicky feel as okay. I do and on a Callaway ball. Well, yeah, you're a Callaway guy. So let me give you a little background on Kyle here um, real quick. So as I mentioned before, Kyle, before coming to Chatham and our, being our head professional, he was assistant golf professional at Crooked Stick Golf Club. Before that, senior assistant golf professional at Congressional Com- Country Club. A few of those out there may be familiar with that out there in uh, – uh, Maryland, um, pretty pretty cool course there. Um, and then he's worked his way up through the ranks uh, in uh, other courses in Indiana, um, in the Fort Wayne Country Club, as well as the uh, the Legends of Indiana. Have you ever played the Legends? I have not. Oh, that's a fun little track. It's flat out in the cornfields, yeah. but greens are like cool shapes, and they got they put some water stuff in there. A lot of good variety on the course. They have three nines. Uh-huh. Each nine's a little different. It's what, pretty, what pretty years cool. were you down there? I graduated in 2009, so okay. that was my only summer there. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about then, just real, you know, real quick, um, you know, playing golf and what got you into being a professional uh, golf professional. Yeah, I grew up playing golf ever since I was really little. My grandfather got me into the game. He actually lived right off Timbergate down in Edinburgh. Okay. And uh, so I remember going playing that like the second day it was open with him. Um, but that was kind of our thing and we were real close and, uh, played other sports growing up, but we played, played high school golf and my whole dream was just to work at the golf course when I was growing up. So I finally talked to the head pro and let me have a job. Um, he let me pick the range and he picking the range, maybe yep. cleaning some carts. Yep. Pick the range. There's just a, we only had the course I grew up at, at the time we only had like six carts <laughs> that the club owned and everybody else would. They had these barns that the uh, season pass holders 
could pay to store their carts up there. So that's also oh, for- people that own their own carts store them there. Mm-hmm. Interesting. No houses yeah. on the course, but people could pay to store them up there. And then there's almost there's a few local little businesses around there that would sell their little storage space to people with golf carts. Huh. And so they'd drive across the road onto the course and. It's a little different than Holding what you normally see. How old were you? This is why we do this podcast, guys. Like, there's whole little pockets and worlds of how people play golf, like everywhere across how, the United how States. How old were you? That's awesome. I was 16 when I started working in golf. Okay. So I was I had I had one job before that, and then finally it was old enough. That was their rule: was 16. So yep. Did that you? Was, that was me, man. I that was the I, of course I was like weed whacking at Brookshire Golf right. Club, you know, if it's 16 or whatever, uh, raking bunkers. Could you tell, like, then that this would be something you were going to be interested in for a long term? I mean, even then, like, you had a big passion for it. Yeah, I I, I think I always enjoyed um, being around golf, and there was a there, – we had a great pro named Bob Rothgeb where I grew up at. He's a very good player. Um, and I grew up in Logansport, just not too far from here. Yep. And there was uh, the Smith family over in Peru. Uh, Chris Smith was a great player. Um, at that time, he probably had won his PGA Tour event about that time when I was in high school. And um, he would come over and play matches against our pro. It was just kind of a cool deal. So growing yeah. up and really loving golf, I thought, man, that's really, really neat. Um, and then you get to just kind of hanging around – even though it was a municipal, they had season pass holders, and it was really the same people who would get that every year. So it was really like a little club. And the guys who would join loved to play golf. There was choose-ups every day. So it really had a country club vibe, which was pretty cool. And you got to know um, each each individual coming in, and uh, there, you had some characters. And I just thought it was neat. you go home and you'd laugh about what – this you know, sixty-five-year-old guy was doing, and when you're in high school, you, it's not something you get to experience all the time. So, it was it was a lot of fun. And then um, in college, I had the opportunity with the uh, Tri-State University. I played golf there, and then to make some extra money, I worked at the golf course there. Uh, and we had a golf management program, which I started in. That course is super cool. Zoner, yes. What I course? Love. Zoner, man. Where's that? It's cool. It's but it's like the northeast corner of of uh, indiana zolner mm-hmm. yeah what's what's the name of the city angola angola there you go so they would always play uh i grew up doing junior golf here in indiana but they would always play the age group championship there so that was like whatever that tournament was the age group championship and it was always played there tough as shit undul- i mean like rolling hills like crazy greens big gas greens yep. if i remember too right big greens yeah, so uh, that's fun. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. So and what's neat about that place is we we would go out. I was always in pretty good shape, and I just really enjoyed being up there. And on the golf team, we played a lot of qualified rounds, and we had a good group of guys, and we would go after – it was right on campus. So we literally, like, uh, my freshman year, we stayed at the dorm. Right across the street was the driving range. Wow. So you go up to the golf course before you just snag a couple bags of balls before you go to dinner, put them in your car, go out to the range after. So it's kind of like being on a golf vacation, you know. You pretty much yeah, yeah, I just live yeah. there. That's that's fantastic. That's kind of kind of jealous. You, that's where you honed in that 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 beautiful Adam Scott ish swing. I would say my swing has gotten a lot better since then. It was pretty rough. Even back in what, probably even in college, that, that, that triggers a question. So, I mean, I think we all kind of improve as we get older for a number of different reasons. But 
what what aspect of your game do you really feel like compared to when you were playing that college level golf? What do you think you've gotten better? Like, is there a particular part of your game you feel like you've gotten better at? Yeah, I would say definitely ball striking. It's much Just ball striking. Yeah, it, it's much more. Your putting still sucks. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good. Actually, it's, <laughs> I'm joking yeah. with you. No, actually, last year I had my best putting year ever. Yeah, that was it. Was good. Uh, Did you keep your stats on your strokes gained? I didn't. You didn't? No, I would love to do that, but it takes a lot of time. It does. Stat Lab. Yeah, I'll get you set up to the team. I would. I always. I love um, thinking about that, and it's just kind of when you get out, it's just a little tough to exactly get you know what distance are write all those notes down but well whenever great, i whenever i see you, you and maybe this is just me but whenever i see you working on something you seem to be working on your putting yeah but it's probably like the least intrusive uh thing to work hey, on mark likes to make fun of putt he, he can putt pretty well but have mark you is seen a putter have you seen him drive a golf ball oh my god <laughs> hey my my dad purchased a gift certificate to the chatham hills uh professionals so i'm i'm going to be getting some driving lessons here at the beginning of the season and some tips from these from these fine gentlemen i think i got a 150 credit or something like that to the to the pro shop for yeah. lessons did they say you know you did you to... talk to my dad when he came yeah, in yeah i did Did you yeah. okay they say you know that's pretty fun I, I thought it was kind of a funny gift on top of like oh this ought to be good i, I told gonna... him i told him this is a great way to get in good with the uh, gm of the colts who lives on <laughs> number one lap <laughs> right <laughs> oh man you, you need to so he's his goal is to eliminate you know one side of the of the of the yeah. fairway i worked it, on that last it, summer it, you yeah you did you just need to eliminate one side of woods <laughs> <laughs> or homes. Oh, terrible dude that's the worst part of my game i lose too too many he, penalties he is a good putter yeah because this this guy's seen me in the club championship yep. probably two years in a row Snap them out of bounds. Yeah, and uh, still post decent scores, but you got to get through that. But that God, goal. it just—it's—it's it's not a good way to start rounds. <laughs> oh shit. Um. Well, you know what? I—I I think I kind of alluded well, to us, um, like moving on to well, some other topics. But I, I, I actually I want to—I want to keep hearing about like, okay, you were yep. in college, and then yep. like, yep. what happened? We're gonna—we're gonna keep going on the path. I think with, uh, with I like Kyle here and a little bath background yeah. here, and then we'll then we'll get into some other stuff, but. Yeah, I played um, my freshman year. I did better than I thought I would. I actually got to like six or seven man on the team. And sophomore and junior, I played a, a decent amount. And on the top squad, we kept about 10 guys and then had kind of five reserves in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, but for conference matches, we'd just take five. So sophomore and junior, I played a lot. Senior year, I had a little injury in the fall and then um, kind of missed a lot of our conference season, unfortunately. But uh we kind of played back in up top in the spring, but I would say when I got to the legends, uh, Scott Downing was a teaching pro there, and Tony Klesak was a teaching pro there, and you know just as you start to learn to teach, you just you know go up to guys and say, hey, can you give me a lesson? And as you start to, you know, start to try and teach other people, you try to learn more about the swing, and you start looking at your own swing, and you start to see what's going on, and so that was good for me. It was. As I started to learn more about the swing, I kind of realized, oh, you know, to be more consistent, you know, I could make some changes here. And I felt like I played a ton of golf growing up, not necessarily being on the range because we didn't really have a, that big a range. Yeah. Uh, so I was able to manage my game, you know, getting around and actually put some decent scores up. But it could be pretty inconsistent because I would roll my hands really hard on the inside and kind of get – 
have to make a big compensating move on the way down and kind of hit like a low trap draw. But it moved one way, and I could kind of handle it. But there's definitely some shots as you get to firmer, faster conditions. You kind of sounded like club pro guy right yeah. there. <laughs> Don't don't you, get me started on Tony. Oh, well, I mean, you really just did your we'll low go, trap draw we'll, with the rolling. Hands. We'll, that's right. We'll go there later, but yeah, we'll, it's, we'll early, it's early in the podcast. <laughs> we'll ask Kyle what he thinks of the seven four seven later. <laughs> sorry, no, that's good stuff, man. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. So, but you, so, so, so you got into like more. So I think I kind of understood where you were going. You got into more teaching. You worked yep. on the range, and you developed more f- sound fundamentals. Correct. Exactly. You kind of realize that to be consistent, you got to have uh, a more fundamentally sound swing, and especially as a, a golf professional, because we're teaching a lot. We're working in the shop. We're you know, helping people on the course. And so you don't get as much time as you used to, like especially being a college golfer, you played nonstop. Right. So you kind of realize pretty quick, well, this is going to be rough if I lose my timing. You know, I, I felt like in high school and college, if I took a day or two off, I was toast. Like it would take me a little while to find it where, you know, I was kind of, you know, told myself if I'm going to play decent as a club professional, I'm going to have to make some changes and get a little more consistent so I can walk out of the shop after not playing for a week and not embarrass myself. So you may so your trap draw kind of comment just had me kind of thinking and and John helps coach the these young whippersnappers here on the Westfield Golf High School golf team and um you know I think as a as a Ute myself you know and and you're it's like you're pushing for distance pushing for mm-hmm. distance because you're getting stronger you know especially in that eight, those teenage years right so like every year you're kind of naturally getting stronger anyway I think it's really interesting point do you still when you are have been coaching and through the years that you've been coaching golf, do you see that? And and maybe this point to your wife and and um, Kyle's wife is a uh, uh, golf coach for IUPUI. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, you know, are these things that she sees? And maybe the the women's game is a little bit different, but are these things you see where these kids really because they've been pushing for so much distance at these younger ages that it makes sense for them to try to fine tune their swing a little bit better. Um, I don't know if, if that's something that you're seeing, and maybe I'm speculating a little bit. Yeah, I think um, I think as as high school kids and middle school kids come in, they do put a big focus on distance. But I think you know it's better to, like you were saying, trying to get them to work on the fundamentals, get a pretty neutral swing. That way, they can kind of grow into it a little bit, and they're going to eventually hit the ball, you know, farther. Um, I feel like the high school kids now, I think. Two things. A, track man really helps. Okay. That really helps when you get on it from an early age and can help them understand what those numbers mean. Um, and then from an analytical side, just really show them on video and track man, Here, here's what you need to do, here's why, here's how to optimize your ball flight, which, you know, we never had growing up. No. And then... Uh, cl- I had some shitty range balls yep. in my Daytona Classic irons. <laughs> Classic. They were ping, nice. they were ping knock they were no. ping I two knockoffs. Yeah. Not some Tom Kite blades. <laughs> nope. They were they were uh, ping I two knockoffs. They were the Daytona classics. I had the bubble shaft Taylor Bades. Ooh. Yeah. Man. Second hand. Big time. Yeah. That was my first set of used clubs when I like uh, they were probably ten years old when I bought I, them. I tell you what, I mean, and I know First so going clubs. back to Club Pro Guy, he, he it's so funny. He posts, you know, shitty clubs thinking of upgrading to this set right. or whatever. But like 
if I could find a set of first flight uh, first fairway flight. Fair, fairway woods or or woods right now, I mean that that would be nostalgia for me because that that was my first metal driver was a first flight metal driver. I think it was called the Moose. Even it was like you know they started going the oversight yeah. and it was like. My dad was like, you should get one of these oversized, you know, drivers. And I'm freaking 16, 15 years old. And, you know, we just go to the Supreme Golf. And I, I'm, he's like, how about the moose here? And it's probably 100 bucks, you know. Right. So, I remember, good stuff. I remember asking for Christmas for... Uh, my grandpa had this driver. It was like a... some gold. It was like a Jack Nicholas club. Yeah, Golden Bear. Golden type, Bear. Yeah. Yeah. And... and I I used to hit it on the range. I really liked it. So I remember like asking for Christmas. Like I want the Golden Bear driver. I thought that was like the t- like primo. Because you didn't know any better. Yeah, exactly. At that time, equip- that's what's think, great about golf. Think yeah. about think about how the internet has changed awareness of equipment. Mm-hmm. Like when when I was growing up in the nineties, the only thing I knew about equipment was what if I went to the shop and it basically it, you know to go see stuff. Or what you flip through probably in Golf Digest or whatever, mm-hmm. right? That was it. Dude. Now you got the My Golf Spy and you got these guys doing club reviews and club comparison, ball comparisons, all this shit. Like it's almost more information. Well, I think, but here's some, I, I actually wanted to bring something up. So since we already have like an interest in golf, our awareness of these things is so much more increased because what you just said, the access to it. But I saw this post by, of all people, Piers Morgan, whatever, D-bag. <laughs> but he put something on Instagram. He goes, he was like, had him showing like swinging golf. And he goes, if I brought Dustin Johnson into Times Square in New York, nobody would know who he is. They'd no walk way. by. And not Especially many Especially if he didn't have like a tailor-made hat on or something, right? So yeah. it showed, yeah. like, we think like golf, just because of what you just said, is so much more like big and popular but it really isn't. No, it's dying, it, unfortunately. It really isn't. It's the it the it's because our interest level is in it, and we can see like, oh my god, all this equipment, all these things we have access to. It's incredible. But I mean, the interest in golf from people that have no clue, they don't give two shits. They don't know who Jordan Spieth is. They know who Tiger Woods is. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's interesting. Everybody thinks golf is blowing up, and we've actually talked about it on this podcast. I mean, we said, what did I say last year? It was like a stat. Like, over 200 golf courses closed last year. Mm-hmm. Only 15 opened. New ones. And, like, they're having issues down in Florida right now with, like, uh, the millennials and then the old people, like, having property, having property value issues sure, with houses that. on the golf course. You know, I, I think... think I, I, I sent you that Wall Street but, Journal but, article. But, <laughs> but I think... And it's been on there 15 times. It keeps showing up. Dude, it keeps popping up yeah. in my feed, too. Do you keep seeing that, too? It's like, warning, yeah. warning, your neighborhood's screwed. But I, think, <laughs> but I think a lot of like what we're like, want to do with what we're talking about here is like just have like normal, show like normal dudes like playing golf and like people have an interest in it. Because once you get an interest in it, you know, you, you want to do it. You want to play it more. It's hard to get access to it, though. It is hard. I think there's some really neat. Um, things going on right now though i think there's a little bit of shift um towards more classic architecture which is really cool if you um listen to the fried egg podcast with Andy johnson and he does a great job he's fantastic talking about you know classical design and and what makes that great and 
you can tell like a lot of the hot designers now, and Pete Dye was one of the first ones to do it, was really taking, you know, um, design elements from Scotland and England and, you know, the old course and, and kind of bringing it over and, and not to say anything about, about, you know, some of the other designers, but it, it became a little bit more, um, the shot values got better, courses got more interesting, interesting. And Pete really did an interesting thing where he, he's gone through multiple phases and he has three different styles basically depending on what era the course was made so it's pretty neat and then guys who worked under him are now the hottest guys out there so you got hans and tom doke and uh bill core i mean those are the three hottest you know groups can, out there building golf courses, and they'll work for pete at one time can you talk about you see you know since we're here yep. in carl you worked at crooked stick can you talk about your i mean you've had some actual uh interaction and you know pete mm-hmm. You've known Pete for a, a while. Yeah, and it, it was um, it was interesting when. So I worked at Kirkusick and got to know the the dies, and it was interesting when when Chatham kind of came about. They're starting had the website up. They're starting to sell some houses and memberships, and um, you know my when I got the job at Kirkusick, it was really to get back into this area. My whole goal was to get a head pro job in the Midwest, uh, so we could be close to family. I was out east for a little bit, like you yep. mentioned, uh, which had a great time, but. You know, it was just hard for my wife and I, who were both from Indiana, to be out on the East Coast, and you know, that's a different culture. And sure, just thinking like, as we get married, want to have kids, we probably want to raise them, you know, back in Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, you know, somewhere like that. And uh, it happens to all of us. Yeah, <laughs> we all good. hey, it's we all spot. end up back closer yeah. to home. It seems. Like. <sighs> so, but yeah, it's so we got you know talking about Chatham, and you know, I remember is that. One of our, I think it was uh, my first year club championship. The dyes came out to watch the final group, and oh, we, I was helping out, you know, with scoring. And um, I just mentioned to Alice, I said, "Hey, you guys are working on Chatham Hills. Would be love to maybe just come up there with you at some time. I'd be interested in that job." And uh, and she said, "Oh, that's a great idea. Why don't you pick Pete up next week on Tuesday?" So I said, "Okay." So I pick, go to Mister Dye's house. Um, pick them up, drive them up, and we ride around with uh, Mr. Hinky, who's our owner developer here. And did you pick up? So you picked up Pete, and then you came up. here, Correct. and then you so you rode around with, yeah, with, with on the players. Had you met Steve before? That, that was the first first time, and uh, it was really it was really funny that you know Pete Pete is very uh, direct, and uh, so you know I had mentioned to him, hey, I'm really interested in this job. So he he came up and he said, Steve, when are you gonna hire a pro? And Steve's like, well, we're gonna, you know, be looking at that process here pretty soon. And 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 Pete, you just looked at him and said, "Well, what are you waiting for? Just hire this guy," <laughs> you know. So, and that was kind of my recommendation. But I actually do have a nice letter from Pete and Alice, which I, which is really cool um, as a recommendation letter I have from them. So that's awesome. But uh, yeah, so yeah, we, it was really neat coming up here because you got to see Pete kind of work in the element. And he was really focused when I was up here. Each time that I came up here with him, he was doing the greens. Yeah. So, what he was gonna, what he was doing, he was walking the greens as they build them and kind of approving them. And it was really interesting to see how he he walked and used his feet to read the mm-hmm. the, the slopes. So just like what people do for aim point. And you know he's been doing that forever. And it's really interesting. And and. Uh, I said something to Tony, uh, the director of golf at Kirkusick, when I got back there. I was like, it's neat to watch Pete. He 
because I noticed that the first time I heard about aim point, I thought of Pete because that's how he reads greens. He would walk on the line, pretty much walk on the line to get the, you know, the feel of the of, mm-hmm. of the slope. So it was pretty neat. It's he, why it's why number three out here is so fucking confusing, and I can never figure out which way it yeah. goes. There's a that is an awesome hole. Yeah, that it's, is an it's, awesome hole. So and it, I I don't think we've told this story um, on the podcast, but I remember driving out here with the hankies and um, them kind of showing me just the posts in the ground. I mean, like drive me through the trees. There's there's nothing carved out yet. They haven't moved a, a darn like inch of dirt. And uh, we get to number three, just what it looked like, you know, wood, very natural. I mean, you could see the golf hole, like how it's going to shape anyway. And um, they tell the story as we're in this Jeep or whatever, like, you know, going through the ruts or whatever they had already kind of carved through. And they go, uh, yeah, the the quote is that um, P. Dye, when he came up in this part as well, he said, Ray Charles could design this golf hole. (laughs) Because it is, it's a sweet golf hole. It's it, a it's, beautiful golf. Yeah. It's it's it was just it's very natural terrain that laid out really well for that little dog leg left yeah. and and um, although it's short and narrow and it has its own challenges and I think you and I have talked about it's one of the um, higher scoring holes yeah. for members even though it's the handicap card may not show it um, but well, as we make adjustments in the future it may, that may that hole probably might yeah, be in, will be impacted. That's probably right now our. Um, we're probably looking at doing that at the end of next year, but that's probably the number one hole we're going to have to change as far as the difference of where it should be based on uh, what our reports say and what we put it on the card. Interesting. Well, back you know back a little bit to Pete. So he you know you got to work see him walk in the holes. Did you ever get to go out and see him when he was like standing on tees and like where he's he's just he, I heard. I think it was uh, Betsy. Hank. She she would say he would just go out there and he would. He'd kind of like just stare for mm-hmm. a long time. He would sit there and stare and just, he's like, what's, what are they, what's he doing? He would like for a really long time. He was just like, and then he would go and say, no, I want that tree moved here. I want that there. And then it, it's kind of crazy how, in a way, he would like jot down the whole, like on paper mm-hmm. at first. Uh, what it was explained to me, I was just like, how does he do that and then remember everything where he's going to put it? He, he, so, the one thing with the Pete Dye course is you're never going to see like a cool blueprint in the clubhouse. Nope. He just doesn't do that. And, um, it's basically he, a sketch, right? He does a little sketch on, a lot of times it's on like napkins and yep. anything he has laying around. He doesn't really even carry a notebook. So it's just kind of whatever he can find. Um, and I think he just gets, I've seen him at Crooked Stick when he would walk or, you know, walk around and look and he would stop. And I think, you know, he just can really tell what the land is doing and the hard part about golf architecture is you think you know we get like on the golf club here you can make your own course and uh you know it's kind of cool to do that you have all these great ideas but the reality is when you actually get in real life you have to worry about drainage you have to worry about um we never you guys didn't have to deal with that at year one at all drainage yeah right nothing yeah, engineering and drainage and the all kinds bubbling of, of yeah. fairways. <laughs> yeah, you never know what you're gonna hit when you get you know right. like you know what Mark's saying is we in the twelfth fairway, our very first year open, we get out there and about just a few weeks in the season we had this big bubble show up in our twelfth fairway and it was a we had hit a spring down there. Yep, 
spring was coming up, creating this little water bubble in the fairway, and we actually had to put a, a electronic pump that the, the turf pumps. literally like lifted up. It was almost like there was like inflating, like the turf was inflating because everything had grown. You know, yep. like everything had rooted in, so it was fine. But like everything below, so it, it was most bizarre. And uh, I think we a little bit of that happened on sixteen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I remember seeing it anywhere else, but 16 and 12, I remember yeah. seeing it. And it was interesting, that spot, it was just slightly lower than the pond level. Uh, so then we had to fill in. Yes, and as we I filled in, it's still, we still had just had a spring coming up, so we actually had to put a little pump that shoves it back, you know, towards so it's the not, lake. So it's not like a heavy flow. Correct. It, it's short. Over, so in that part of the course, there's just a lot of groundwater. So when they, when they started digging that pond and... Uh, Dug the um, when they actually broke ground for that well that goes into the irrigation pump. Okay, it it was like a geyser. There's so much water pressure coming out. Of I the mean, ground. I would I would it, it one thing you were what you guys were talking about three, twelve and fi- so what what would you say your favorite hole like aesthetic is out of the entire course three twelve or fifteen or maybe it's another one. I, Day one, I loved fifteen. Um, just because of the view from the seven's box. pretty too. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I it, before the course was built, loved seven. When I played the course, fifteen. Um, the, the first impression. Fifteen is beautiful. I could overthink mm-hmm. it right now, but I can tell you that like as as it was getting built early on, early on, I'm like seven's fantastic. Uh, but the first time I ever played it, I remember s- standing on fifteen T going. I'm glad. This, I'm glad I I bought. This was worth the uh, founding member. Yeah. Price. I think seven. When, when I used to give tours before the course was open, seven was like the first showstopper. Yep. And that's kind of where the course really s- starts. I would say. Yeah. Good holes one through six are good, but seven just the topography of it, it's great, and it kind of gives you a preview of what you're going to get into on the back. Yes, I agree with that. I agree. Twelve with that. is what I uh, ended up saying. I'm buying. Yeah. 12. Oh, 12. It wasn't my, it, but I, I agree with you. 15 is probably my favorite. Like, I don't know why it just like it. I, I mean, I don't, I don't play yeah, the th- whole of that. I great. think you just, no, I, I mean, I think you just stand up there and you get, you get this perspective of like where you are, you know? And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. You feel like you're, you feel like you're in the heart of the golf course. I don't yeah. know. Maybe that, that's, that's, that's the only way I could. Did you ever hear the story about Pete uh, down in French Lick? Wow. Which, about uh, how he designed the Pete Dye course and how he how that all happened, went like, down, uh, re- removing all the trees and well, removing trees, but even how he was like introduced to it, like he was invited out as like a potential designer yeah. for that. Have you heard that story? I haven't heard that one. So, and I can't even tell you who I was talking to about this. So, apparently, they're talking about whoever owned this piece of property down in French Lake, and for. For anybody who's listening, if you have not played the Pete Dye course in French Lick, uh, it, John's raising his hand right now. It it, it has to be on your list. Um, it's it's just the the only way. It's special. It's very well manicured. Have you played it, Kyle? Mm-hmm. It's it's. I mean, it's great. It's it's hard to explain, right? It's kind of like take this with a grain of salt. It's kind of like Augusta, where it's hard to explain until you see it. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not comparing it to Augusta as far as like how well manicured it is and how amazing there's all that is. But it's special in the fact that like you don't believe it till you get there and you're like, This this is here? This is amazing. And it's in Indiana. This is wow, this is really cool. So 
again, I wish I could remember who I was talking to. And they said, so they were talking about bringing in like Nicholas and all these guys. And like, they were going to interview multiple people. And well, Pete, obviously being in Indiana, they were like, Hey Pete, come on down. We've got this cool thing down in French Lake. It's up the top of the mountain. It'll be awesome. So they had set a time to meet him apparently. And, um, you know, they don't see him for 15, 20 minutes. And then he's, he doesn't, doesn't show him. Then he doesn't show him. Next thing you know, he like kind of just like appears like there at this top of this, where they were trying to meet him at this top. Of the, there's a house up there that had mm-hmm. existed. And, uh, he's like, yeah, I've had all mapped out. Um, you can talk to Alice about what it's, you know, the cost is for, for me to do this. And, and, uh, I'm ready to go. He'd already walked all around. And like done, basically like mapped out the, like sketched out the course like you were talking about. And they were like, well, how much do you want? He's like, no, Alice deals with that. Yeah. <laughs> She's like the money gal. And it was a million dollars. Well, no, I hear actually. His, his price, a million bucks. Yeah, that's yeah it. I, I hear that's what he charges for every, and it was actually million the owner bucks. of our club. He said that. He said million it's bucks. a million bucks. Yeah, and I, I will say, I have heard a lot of stories though. Locally, a lot of times if he, it's a, you know, it'd be a million, but he'll pick out charities for you to pay to. Interesting. On top of that, mm-hmm. okay. So, no, not on top of that. That's no, what. No, that's so what, part of. Oh, the, that's part he, of the he'll, million. He'll take a he'll take a cut out of his, and you write checks to those charities of oh his choosing. God. Guy's special. Yeah, very humble. Very, so, uh, if you would, you know, run into him, you would just you would never know. I mean, wow, you never know that he was that successful. That's fantastic. So. Is this like the last course that he actually has done, like where he's extensive work on? This would be, yes, I would say. Um, I know there was one down in Florida. That would, there were some renovations that he was doing as well. But as far but as creation, brand, creation, yeah, this would be the most involved. I would say. I mean, he's got for the some, last some planning. Um, he's been involved with some planning and others, but. Here's one thing I've said to Mark, and and, and I don't I haven't said this to you. Maybe I have in the past a little bit because me and you bullshit in the clubhouse, and you make fun of my swing, and I understand that. But well, that's easy uh, to do. I make but, fun of your swing, and I charge you for it too. Yeah, so. yeah, Dude, everybody yeah, makes fun of your swing, man. Fuck off. But so, <laughs> um, you know, I you see, I I didn't pick up golf until I moved out of the state. I grew up in Indiana, and I moved to St. Louis when I was. Uh, 23 years old, and I still hadn't played golf. I'd swung a club a few times. But over there, I picked up golf, got really into it, and there's not one Pete Dye course in St. Louis. There's a PB Dye. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's two PB Dyes. And it's one, and one called Old Hickory, which is don't play it. And, <laughs> and then there's, a, and there's Boone Valley, which is incredible. I think he did that with maybe Fazio. I can't remember. Okay. But so I was like, okay, I, I, I belong to a Jack Nicholas uh, signature design course. I played some other older courses over there, and they were good. But I came over here, and it is just over. I mean, there's tons of Pete Dye courses mm-hmm. here. And people here take that for granted. They're incredible golf courses. Yeah. We They're should, uh, public. We should yeah. hit the trail. But it's the just... The Pete Dye trail cool. this year. That'd be... That... that that's... That's podcast worthy. That's that's Instagram worthy for us to try to hit the Pete Dye Trail this year. But I just don't. Really, I mean, I think you do realize, and I know you do, Kyle. Like how good a golf courses are here. Oh, it's it's silly. I mean, the Fort, 
The Ford is amazing. Dumb good. Yeah. And you can go, what's it, 45 bucks? Yeah. It's nothing. It's $45. And it's one of the it's one of the best courses in the state. And it's but I mean, I wish they could keep it in a little bit better condition, to be yeah. honest with you. But it the layout is yeah. Layout special. Amazing. Yeah. It's for I've only played it one time. It took me a long time to play it, went down there, and I was like, it it's it's kind of like Chatham where you show up and you're like, This is in Indiana. Like, where right. are we? Eggs. It, it is. Absolutely. It's, a sim- it's similar. That, 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 very that's, much like that. That and that's actually when people ask me about Chatham, I, I that's say, the first time you I know, met it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the Ford a little yeah. bit, but you, you know, it, it's different. But you know, yeah, that's that. That's a very good comparison. Very good comparison. Yeah, and then if you look at those Purdue courses, I mean, sitting oh, next to each other. Oh my god! Especially the redesign of the Ackerman. Ackerman. It's great. Oh my god! Have you been up there? No. Dude, yeah. dude, I haven't played golf dude, you, as long you, as you. You clearly only play golf here at Chatham or something. <laughs> I, I really don't know. But all right, no, so, had... so here, mission 2019 is getting John around the state a little bit more. Because you know what, I would I would literally go up to um, uh, Tri-State and yeah. and dude go play Zolner. That's it's a fun little track, and we got to go play the Notre Dame course too. I've heard I it. played that last. Oh, year. you played Warren last year. Yeah. That's right, you did. Um, have you played uh, Rock Hollow up in Peru? No. Have you played Bell Reve in St. Louis? <laughs> no, I haven't. Or Boone Valley? No. No, right, you haven't. Right, okay. Right. Stop talking but shit. But Rock Hollow's Rock Hollow's great. Fan- and well, you so, when you said you were gonna up that way, I'm yeah. like, you probably you cut your teeth on that one a little bit too. I a guess. little bit, yeah. When I was growing up, um, my dad's deal was everything with golf I had to pay for. So when we I had my best friend growing up, his dad. Um, Love to take him over to Rock Hollow, so I'd go with him every once in a while. And then, so his dad every once in a while would pay for my round, and then other times I'd really have to save up to because back in back in those days it was a little more expensive than it is now. Yeah. Um, but the Smith family is awesome, and they they do a great. And that is the layout of that course is amazing. Oh, just it's, like you said, it's it's like playing the what, Ford kind of it, thing. It's just got it's, some cool. What is it? Whole, they have a new superintendent, Rock Hollow, up there. It's a Pitai. No, it's not a Pete Dye course. It's Tim Liddy. Is it Liddy? So, okay. So Tim so it might actually, as well be Pete Dye. So Tim's living here. He's actually <laughs> moving here. Oh, is he moving yeah. in? Okay, cool. Where? Well, so he's over uh, on the par three course. So he you is? Go get some oh, tips now we're going to... We got another interview That's coming right. up. Could you hook... Yeah, you, yeah. You bring him in. We're going to bring him in. Yeah, we'll, do a, we'll do a four-way. We'll actually have you in on, on that one. No, that would be good because he, he, you probably know Tim. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, I think we should do that. And he was helpful too because I got to know him early on in this process, and um, you know he helps Pete out quite a bit on a lot of his projects, and has done some great work on his own. But Rock Hollow is is his his baby. I mean, that's one of his. Oh, it's fantastic designs, and it's one of my favorites. It's really good in the state. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. There's another. I mean, dude, we got to get up have to you those played, Purdue have courses. You, have though. You, those uh, Purdue courses are fantastic. Hey, Mark, have you played Victoria National? No, but I was talking to Cohen today. He was walking his dog past my driveway, and best, Cohen, best Cohen, course I've ever. Cohen wants to plan a three-day trip to Victoria and do rent the cabins and do like, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like rounds, like like a tournament basically you, down there, like a club. What do you think of it? Uh, Victoria is amazing. It's, it's amazing. I, he wants to do like a like we get a bunch of chat like we do a, like a. What do you want? Like an away tournament, essentially, you know. Three so, like, days. we obviously have our club turn, but that could be fun, man. Mm-hmm. I'm from. I mean, my my folks live in Newburgh. Well, that's what I was telling them. I was like, dude, uh, Falkenberg being on that, but it's it's an incredible golf course. It is. It's, I don't know if three days is really worth it, but I think we could do a cool like 36 hole tournament down there, and that'd be fun. 
It's, what you, you can always hit up, the, um, go down to Valhalla while you're down there too. We talked about that last year, like yeah. doing a Valhalla. I don't know. We got to figure out something though. I think I think this could be our year for traveling around Indiana, the Midwest a little bit, because I I still want to get down to to Tennessee and play that. Uh, I, shit, what's that little nine holer called? All oh, Sweetens Cove. Sweetens. Yeah, and they tweeted out the other day how many days they're renting up for private you know, bookings. It's amazing. That's for the full days. Yeah, they're doing. Because they they want like five grand a day to do that, right? Or more yeah, now, probably more now. Yeah, that's a pretty good deal though. If you're getting a bunch of guys to go down, uh-huh. but um, that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier. I think um, with golf, it's going that way a little bit, like a Sweetens Cove, where that's really based on it's a cool piece of ground. It's all based on like uh, old school architecture, yep. minimalist. You know, they have a little shack as a clubhouse and. Um, yep. It'll be interesting to see where golf goes overall. I think going back way back to what we were talking about earlier, but I don't know if golf is dying, but I think it's changing, and it could be changing for the better. I think it. I think municipal golf has a chance to, um, really kind of rebrand itself. Yep, and maybe get back a little to being accessible, where it's kind of turned into a little bit in some places. Like municipal golf is. A revenue generator for the city, um, and, and not that that it shouldn't be a money maker um, for whoever owns the golf course. But I think there there should be uh, a level of course, or at least one course in every area that's accessible. And and however they do that, if it's removing a big clubhouse, if it's just keeping a little you know stand out there for someone to grab a beer, or a hot dog, and pay 10 bucks to go play like that's golf needs that Woodwind, woodwind's gonna be that this this coming year because what pulte did mm-hmm. with the with the they took they took out the driving range but they started an hoa to support the golf course okay so it's that's yeah. it's be, it's gonna become the the yep. muni for westfield which is fine and and i'm i'm I mean, we talked about it briefly, and I don't know all the details, but you know what what Tiger and Obama are doing up in Chicago mm-hmm. to to again try to like pull in like anybody can play golf kind of concept, right? Like right. we want to introduce the game to people. Um, I think cool things like being able to rent out a whole course for a day and being able to uh, leverage um, the group of people you know or the charity cause that you want, and not not. Not just for like golf events and things, but I think there there's some cool stuff. You guys should see what I mean. I've actually I've talked to you, and I think I've talked to you what Ozzy Smith has done over in St. Louis with the PGA Outreach Program. It's incredible, yeah. the way they they create a facility in the inner city for the kids. It's it's neat, and I've done this uh, this celebrity thing outing he does a, a few times, and it's it's really cool what he does, what he raises money for it. But you were speaking about like the 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 shack kind of like smaller yeah. clubhouses and like little stuff. There's several like old school uh, golf uh, courses in St. Louis like that. We got to go back. I know you're a Cardinals fan. Yeah. We got to do a Cardinals game and then do some golf courses. That'd be awesome. We really do. We'll play it. It's going to happen. This is like travel golf year. Yeah. And it, we're also going to play Purgatory too because – I love it out there. Purgatory's you, good. You guys would like look. We'll, we'll go back to my old golf club. We'll play that, and then we'll. I don't know if we could get on. Um, we guys need to sign up for the Indianapolis Open, which we're hosting here in Chatham. Are you? When? Yeah. This year? May. 
Boy. Get, get your game ready. When, what, when in May? You got to be of like five or better? I think so. Okay. I think when it's in um, second, second Monday. It's like a Monday, Tuesday, Is there Tuesday, a qualifier for that too? No. You no. just sign up. I think as long as your handicap qualifies. I'm going to do it. Let's do it, Mark. Why let's, not? let's commit to it. Got, on the podcast, number 19 is being committed. All right. As long as the dates work for you me, will, I'm in. How many, people, how many players will be in it, probably? Well, well, they always fill it. It's 154 players. Yeah. We'll have to get on the IGA uh, website. 154th will be Julian, 153rd Falkenberg. <laughs> last. Second second last place. <laughs> there's always, every tournament, every IGA, PGA tournament, there's always someone who just blows up totally. So you guys want to do it. I shoot. 152nd. I can guarantee you I'll open up with an 80. I've been that guy, too. That's been, I, I'm, there, that, I'm that guy every time. I'm, I'm a stroke play idiot. <laughs> Put me in the match play bracket. Good to yeah, go. That's right. He is not a stroke player. Even when it's, uh, what, 30 degrees and half snowing out? Doesn't no matter, man. Doesn't matter. I can be down five. I can be down five holes and still win. Well, You're he, a, he's a good, he's a great match. When he walked in the shop after he won, I, I didn't even know, like, I didn't think he was out there. I was like, Adams? <laughs> Like who's playing today? Like you like walking the shop. It's like well, one. I was like, what? Would you win poker? Like you could have been playing golf today. It was shit. Mutter. But it was like the only day that either of us could dial in because I'd already had to play my doubles match, and there was like one other day. Anyway, it's crazy. It's a bannered year for Mister Julian. That's Big, right. Yeah. What I went the uh, tough man scramble gross, and then uh, both match play year long yeah. match plays. I've got, I've got a nice trophy shelf. You'll have to come over and see it sometime. Um, but yet, you can't beat me. <laughs> I know. Fucker. He even beat me. So we played the, sim- we played the simulator on Saturday. <laughs> he had a three-shot lead on me. We're playing St. Andrews, old course. We're up he had a three-shot lead on me. And um, I come back, and I, we, we were even going into 18. And I fucking three-jacked the 18th green. I think you did. Didn't, didn't you bring down in the little hollow? Yeah, didn't, yep. didn't you blade it or something over the green? <laughs> I, no, I, I I was I was in the middle of the green and I putted it back like off the front of the green because the pin was kind of up front near that little swale and it just yep. phew, gone and I was like fuck me, so I that, blew it by. That simulator is I think very similar to the one we have. You have it set up at Chatham. Yeah, the uh, really his is the about golf the uh, okay um, deal. We did the full swing here, but yep. it's. It's a great. I mean, what's nice is simulator golf's getting pretty good too, and it's it's a great way over the winter time just to knock some rust off, kind of. Well, at least kind of see what going. you got, yeah. right? See what you got. Like for me, that's what I'm like. I'm like, all right, do I still have anything? Do we need? And to I've do noticed my driver swing sucks. But we need to do probably a whole challenge here. We well, what we'll do is we'll move that to like a we'll go. We're gonna go. It well, <laughs> this will be posted tomorrow. So anyway, you'll. Anybody that uh, listens to this, you should get on Instagram because we'll have a live post of us playing a hole. We're going to play this par three here. We'll, we'll go live on Instagram here, in a, in a, um, and you'll be able to see that on Instagram. Let's move into the product conversation, though. Um, Kyle, you were able to go down to the PGA show. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that? Almost a month ago now, right? It was about a month, yeah. About a month ago. Um, so we we ended up running into Kyle at the, at the clubhouse and... Um, just kind of chatting a little bit about equipment and things like that. And I think what was some of the interesting stuff is, uh, especially TaylorMade, for example, recognizing that they didn't talk about distance and speed last year and they lost market share, right? Right. So 
tell us a little bit about what you saw at the show, what you're kind of what you've even seen, and maybe even like uncover some truths that you think are behind. Like, is what's the big deal about equipment this year? And we can you can start with drivers or anything else. Is there anything big that you think like is standing out? I would say again, it's going to be another good year for three woods, um, fairway woods. I, the one thing is I've been hearing from our reps is there's no uh, the USJ does not govern the face of fairway woods, so there's not a spring effect rule in that club. So the better they can manufacture the clubs and and design them, they're going to be able to get closer to that driver as far as the face, making the three was hotter. Interesting. Um, so that's why we see those infomercials on the Golf Channel about like the, the GX, T-less driver, the GX7, and that's the T-less right. driver or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going on staff with them this year. Are you? Yeah. That's good. That's good stuff. <laughs> but uh, no, I think I you think, you and Club Pro. Guys. <laughs> that's right. Those are the worst commercials. You and CPG. <laughs> no, 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 big guy. <laughs> He's promoting the 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 G. What is it? The club? The GX. There's GX the GX Seven, and then the, yeah, the it's, it is. It's no to big yeah. And then there's the T-less driver. And then what's the... Uh, what's tour Striker the Wedge. The Tour Strike Wedge, yeah. Andy the, North, I think. I think Andy North's all over that thing. Two, Those are the hot three uh, infomercials we get six, to see. Six... Uh between did, the hey, two, did, six, by, six, six, did those wins? guys? And I maybe you didn't get a chance to see every booth down in the show. Did did all of, were all of them present? Not to my knowledge. Okay, all right. So, but they weren't willing to pay the big bucks. That's then, right. Is what you're saying? Okay, good to know. Good. To and know. It, it, you know, talking to manu- it, the manufacturers and companies down there, it's an expensive show. So, oh yeah. So I did, did a couple high. of them not boycott the show, but avoid the show yeah, this year. Yeah, you know, Taylor May didn't go this year, and that's not the first time they haven't. Um, and Taylor Made's going through a little bit of a, you know, they they were sold by Adidas. Now they're uh, they were acquired by I think a, like a capital fund right. out in, from Germany or whatever. I read now. that somewhere. So yep. It you know they're they're probably going through and and kind of really you know hey is that you know, driving our products as much as we're paying to be there. So that's understandable. Um, and it's different now. Like you're saying with the web websites, you know, golf pros have the same, you know, getting the same access to that. And so you see a lot of times you'll see, you know, I remember that it was TaylorMade that came in and the rep says, you know, every year they come in and said, well, we have driver X and driver Y. We can't tell you what the name is. We can't show you any pictures, da, 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 da. And then you go look it up on Excuse me. Go look it up online, and it's right there on you know my golf spy. Someone you know on tour has it. Somebody or, already is like trying it. it out or or whatever. Exactly. So it's it's changed, and it used to be the show kind of used to be like, oh, this was the first time I'm going to hear about the Callaway driver, the Titleist driver, or yep. but now it's you you see the reps before the show, you kind of run into them again there. So, but the the show is great for. From a PGA professional standpoint, it's great for education and networking. Okay. And it is good because you do see some companies there that the reps don't always have time to come see you, so you can, you kind of hit them. So that's when we go down, that's our priority um, is kind of to try to find um, the people we want to do business with that, you know, the reps are in Michigan or Ohio or Kentucky or whatever, don't make it up here as much. But, um, but down there, for as far as equipment, I would say Callaway had a great presence. Um, Titles always has a, a really good booth down there too, um, but it's just it's amazing how much variety there is now. See Tony, well, 
Yeah, you saw Tawny. They had a good press. Yeah. Did CPG. You, you did, sir. Yeah, we we, we yeah. made sure we walked by. That's good. That's good. Um, one thing that um, I think was interesting our, on our conversation that we had a few weeks ago about equipment is that, um, and I, I thought this was an interesting observation from you, and that you said uh, you know, some brands just kind of fit golfers differently, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and we were talking about a few of our you know fellow members and how you know, that Titleist driver may fit his swing better than the tailor-made driver. Yeah. And so, you know, while all the marketing in the world and all the testing of robots in the world may show that, you know, Callaway is the hottest face or the hottest driver or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that club may work really well for it John. Is, by the way. That, but that club may work really well for John, whereas, you know, yeah. I, hit, I hit that speed back, cobra thing and it just it it felt like a dud to me but i'm sure for some guys i've heard i've heard some guys saying that's their favorite driver of the right. year we have so we haven't found a driver for you yet <laughs> dude there isn't a driver that fits me um yeah but you th- need to hit that mizuno driver mm, have you pretty. did you hit that i haven't no it's pretty looking it it looks really good and i hit it and i was like i was impressed there i have not hit the woods irons are obviously Always awesome great. But Always yeah, good. I haven't hit the woods in a while. Yeah. Well, they're there's this driver they have this year is like they're where they stepped up and said, Hey, we're gonna put as much effort into the driver as we did our irons. Mm-hmm. And I hit it like I went and saw the Mizuno rep a couple weeks ago at um Golf Galaxy and and I was able to hit the, hit the new S T ninety. It was good. It still doesn't do as good as the I admit with the Epic Flash. The Epic Flash still the numbers are better. I like to feel the Mizuno, but that dude, that Flash just Flash is good. I played it down in Florida and I really liked it. It's nice, but you know, I think to what you were saying, I you know, I can't take credit for it. Brad Fellers, who's a, he's over at Prairie View now, mm-hmm. um, very very knowledgeable pro, really gets into the nuts and bolts of testing and fitting and and um we were going through a little seminar and he was kind of giving the speech and you know he kind of had a little chart and he said hey if you take a chart with from high launch to low launch from high low spin to high spin here's where i think these drivers fit and they're all over the map of who and it makes sense because if you're let's say you're at the usj limit on the face yep usj limit on the size You've probably already ran the numbers on um, where you can move the weight around, things like that. Um, I think the every year tolerances get better in manufacturing, so you can make the face, you know, maybe a little thinner, and you know you're going to hit, you know, most of your drivers going to be within that that rule, so you're not worried about. Because I think every company, when you think about it, when they manufacture a club. It might not come out perfect, and it only takes a couple bad tests to yep. get a club, you know, in trouble. So they're always going to err on the side of, um, you know, being able to make it just slightly thicker. Yeah, and that's kind of Taylor made story this year with the injection, is mm-hmm. they can get it closer. Um, Did you? Um, I don't want to cut you off, but um, John, I mentioned this to John last. Do you get Golf Digest? You read Golf Digest? Mm-hmm. So. Um, it was the editor article, like at the beginning of it this last month in their club test issue. 
and he said this is the year to buy a driver. Did you read that article at all? Mm -hmm. So he said this year, but the interesting thing to me, and you should go back and pull this and read it, um, he said the thing that they're working on, and he was talking to designers, like club designers, and even like eight years ago, ten years ago, they took like what used to be essentially like a thumbtack sweet spot, Mm -hmm. and this guy said he marked a face of a driver that was probably about a quarter size and he goes if i can make all these same spots hot my job is done and basically what he was suggesting is that what has created this extra distance in tour average as well as what i think you were you were almost just kind of getting to is that the sweet spots actually gotten bigger yeah and on different parts of the face correct if that makes sense that's why that's why twist face was actually Really cool design, really mm-hmm. cool marketing. However, it's not what sells clubs. Right. But at the end of the day, what John and I both agreed on, and I'm like, you know what? I'm a shitty golfer for the most part. Like I'm 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 a decent golfer, but like I'm a very inconsistent golfer when I'm is what I'm saying here. I hit a lot of heel shots. I hit a lot of high toe shots. Right. I've a lot. A lot. But I've found with this M1, which is even, you know, what, two-year-old technology mm-hmm. at this point, that that high toe ball goes almost as far as my good shot at this point. Yeah, The high toe is, is becoming a, kind of the secret sweet spot. It's, you know, they've done a lot of tests. When, you, when you're a little over the top as a swing speed, which a lot of people are, you have a tendency to hit the ball a little bit more on the toe, so they kind of are, you know, they shove the sweet spot out just a little bit more mm-hmm. to kind of catch that because not everybody's hitting right on the middle of the club, right? Yep. So it's interesting that that is a new spot. And if you look at the Callaway Flash, there is a little pocket around the toe. And what they did there was they used that Watson to design the face this year and move some of the back waiting around on the back of the face. And and you can tell like there's a pretty good chunk of that material on the on the toe this year because a lot of a lot of players do favor that toe spot a little bit because when you do kind of have if you have a slightly open club face a little over the top you're going to favor a little bit of a toe shot. There's other factors that go into hitting off the toe, but that's just one. Yep, that's very common. Interesting. Good feedback there because I, I thought that was article was that interesting. I encourage you to go back and check that out, but. It made a lot of sense to me on why the tour app because yeah. and you and I talked about roll back the ball like what's going on with distance and it's not the ball it's not they can't they can only do so much with the faces of these clubs right. but they've made that sweet spot so much bigger that even when these guys are swinging hard out of their shoes on a par five a slight miss hit for them is going further right yeah and especially. For someone with really high swing speed, there is the less for if you get a club from ten years ago, like um, a Cameron Champ, a guy like that would probably have to dial it back just a little bit because that slightly open club face could not have you know yeah. it'd be a knuckleball and it'd be going way out of bounds. So you'd <laughs> be blocking or looking the shit. Yeah, but I, I mean, guy. not to take in the I mean, that dude. That guy's a freak. Yeah. He could probably. I, mean, I know he would. Take old clubs. He has the prettiest. Fine, he has the prettiest golf swing. I've well, ever you know seen. what's what's interesting? Was, when you say dial it back, he doesn't even look like he's. 
I know. He has, that's what I said. He has a pretty like, golf swing. How does he dial it back? You know, I remember back in the day watching, you know, like Davis Love Swing and mm-hmm. thinking, like, actually, your swing actually really reminds me of Davis in the way that it just kind of flows and it's real smooth tempo. You have a really smooth tempo, Kyle. And, and Davis always, I thought that was, he just had this beautiful, smooth tempo to me. And I'm like, God, he still just rockets it, you know, yeah. and, and the ball just takes off. Brent Schnedeker's another guy that, like, I really feel like just has, like, this kind of, like, good tempo kind of thing. And, but he doesn't look like he's thrashing at it like right. a Jason Day, just like, and Tiger, they just kind of, like, thrash right. the ball. Um, it, it's just really interesting. Well, Cameron Champ is just, that's, it's, watching him drive a golf ball is pretty cool. I yeah. think you're seeing just, when you're looking at the pro game, you're just seeing a different level of athlete. And that is now playing golf. I mean, it's. I think golf is um, becoming a, definitely a little cooler to play. Um, I think there's just more dads that play a lot of golf, and so their kids growing up, if they're good athletes, they they're okay with that. Hey, you don't have to play the traditional, you know, football, basketball, baseball. You know, it's okay just you know play some golf. That's so. a that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. There's so many topics we can discuss. It, well, here. it's a good transition though. We do touch on the pro game yeah. a little bit. Um so to touch on like, you know, PGA Tour golf. You watch it weekly? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you follow these guys. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite golfer? Phil. Phil Phil Pip Pip yep. what shot like 5 over today? Shot a 78 today. Yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah, I don't think he played really well today. And so he's old. Between Phil and I'm sucker for Tiger, as you know, kind of growing up in that era. I am too. Um, used to be a big Luke Donald fan. He's yeah. not really around much anymore. Yeah, I really, really root for. Uh, I love Charles Howe. Yeah, yeah. Chucky three sticks. Yeah, Chucky three sticks. He's, man, we're 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 fans of Chucky three sticks Chucky on the three sticks. On, the, on the show. Yeah, but uh, we're we're trying to figure out who we're gonna pick our our. Our pro for the year. We we want a yeah we want a pro for the year that's kind of like um, kind of left like an eye. under like an under the radar just, or even like underdog yeah. kind of guy. You just Charles Howe's your guy. I mean he, he could be our could guy be. for the year. No he could. We're, we're we're we our goal is to lock it in before the the before the players. You're basically. gonna be at the Masters. He qualified for this year, and then he's. Uh, but He's we want Augusta. we want to have a player before the first, and I consider the players a major at this point. But before the players, we're going to have a player that we pick, and he is going to be our guy the rest of the season. We will cheer for him every single week. But we haven't we, we haven't, haven't we haven't him we haven't outlined him yet. And so I I like. I like Chucky Three Stick. He did have a recent win though, so yeah. like he's not necessarily like the total underdog. He's but, not. But he just shoots. Um, we we want to joke like that. We we're we we're just out in Scottsdale. And uh, we were watching some of the Riviera tournament, and you know, between our time difference from being at home, and then we're getting a little behind, and with all the delays they had, you know, we're kind of trying to follow. And she's just like, she goes, you know what? I bet you he's gonna shoot like, oh, he'll just shoot sixty nine like he always does. And what did he shoot like sixty nine, sixty nine to finish? So mm-hmm. he's just very consistent. And for a guy not to have won as much as he has, he's made a lot of money. Very consistent, you know, to make and consistently making yeah. money, making cuts. How many wins? How many wins does he have? Less than ten, right? I mean, I think he's only had like three or four. Oh, even less than five. Yeah. Okay, so, so he's like a like a JJ Henry type. <laughs> yeah, but he yeah. if you JJ JJ Henry actually he's been hanging out on tour too. Yeah. Well, no, he only reason he made 
the tour this year is because that rule for 300 cuts made in your career, you get an exemption. Yeah. Okay, so JJ. That's Harry the reason he made it. it. He, he's got three wins. There, we, there is, we need to we need Charles, to jump on somebody's horse that like isn't did, making cuts. Char- that's our that's our. Hold did Charles <laughs> Patrick Rogers could did, be a good one? I think he's he's, he's a local. Due. He's a local. Oh, he's an Indiana boy. Yeah. Hold on. Did Charles Howell? That's ever a very make, good point. Did Charles however make the Ryder Cup? Has he ever? ever? Hmm. Ooh, he might have made a President's Cup, good but I don't know if he made a Ryder Cup. Question. That that would be a good one. Chucky, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna follow up on that one. I'm I'm almost certain he's made a President's Cup, but I'm not sure about a Ryder Cup. Rogers would be a good one. There's a lot of good local. Guys I like the pa- right I like the the local Patrick Adam Rogers. Adam is a yeah. Purdue grad. Tyler Duncan's a Purdue grad. Okay. Chase Wright's an IU grad. They're all out there on tour this year. Okay. I'm missing somebody. I know there's at least one more. We we may have to jump on an Indiana horse. I think that could be kind of fun. Um, or, or you know, there's a lot of things I think we could do with that for sure. Um. That's cool. Yeah, we we did kind of like a buy sell thing earlier on in the year where we were kind of like who you hot on yeah. this year and stuff. Chucky three sticks, two wins, two, two wins. wins. Yeah. Wow, was one of them the John Deere or something too? What was his first one, John? But no, no. Yeah, I know this. It was tough watching between him and Patrick Rogers in that. Uh, I think it was a Sea Island event. Yeah, where he won. It was tough to. He had PGA Tour Rookie of the Year too. Yeah. yeah. No, he, the kid's consistent as hell. I don't think he's, um, he's never lost his card. Nope. And that's impressive. I mean, and it's... Especially for not winning, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is. So he's making a lot of cuts. He's yeah. making good money. It's a tough job out there. I mean... No, he's got three. Traveling traveling every week like he they do. He won last year. Like, he won last year. Right. I, could, I could envy these guys all week if you, if we wanted to, and I'm sure there's times where you have and we all have, and we've been like, oh, my God, that'd be the life. But at the end of the day, they're grinding over putts to make, like, another 20000 And, you know, even as we talked to Drew, you know, a month or so ago, he's like, man, like, he's like, you're trying to figure out how you can make up, like, a shot and a half. Right. You know, like, that's, like, the, the guy that's winning tournaments is averaging a shot and a half better than me per round. It's like... Where do you find a shot and a half? Right. Because it doesn't seem like a lot, but at that level, it, it is. is. It's a lot. Yeah. And the other thing, too, I think, um, you know, I've never been at that level, but just to think, you know, to go out and try. And, you know, there's some guys that try and try and try. And Drew was successful. I mean, he won some events yeah. and, you know, was somewhat successful. There's guys that go out there and don't even have close to the success he did. And keep trying, and it's you got to think of like how many kids graduate from Stanford every year that are better than you. Do you know? Just name yep. it. You know, there's every top golf program is have one or two kids that's going to graduate, and uh, so when you do, you know, there's been some some guys that like from trying that, you know, they'd be like, oh, I, I want to play. I'm like, well, you know, great. Good luck, but good luck because there's just think how it's many. It's just more and more competitive. How many golfers year. in college are ahead of you already? So not to say you can't work your tail off and get better. Golfing, but. golfing is for for professionals' perspective, I I think is so much more about timing than any other sport. Yep. Because you can play basketball, uh, baseball, and you can have off times and still make it to a next level just because you have so many more chances yep. overall and you have a team. Golf, yeah, if you don't get hot the certain times, you're yeah, done. Yeah, Q school in the fall. You're if done. you aren't playing your best golf, you're, you're screwed. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You're done. And sorry, IU fans, but 
like Romeo Langford still projected fifth. That's crazy. Oh, that's dumb. So there's no you know, I, there's and, only and, one IU fan. You know, here. I think baseball. You know, baseball is tough as well, just because there's so many people drafted and there's a lot of talent that gets yep. in. But um, but golf and like I said, I think golf is becoming a little bit more. Very unique athletes are getting into golf, and you get like a Cameron Champ. Um, like you know, look at Phil. Like Phil's still playing great. You see a picture of his calves this week? <laughs> well, he's did I you, mean, did you I, see? I love the shorts. Okay, now. yeah. But what you're saying there, I think he is he's aware of the the athleticism because he is focused on it this past year. He gained six miles an hour of swing speed this year. Yeah, he's working on. That's it. crazy. He's, he's working, working on, on it. But you, you know, I think they even said like uh, I remember hearing like they talk about John Daly, who you'd think like, well, this guy is like out of shape. But they said he was like Gumby. You know, they said he would oh flexible as could be. Yeah. Yep. Just and that's not something that you're born with. That I yep. mean, it's you can work on it to a point. But <laughs> they they say John Daly couldn't could not play other sports. He can't run. He can't right. do anything. No. But the guy can make his back can twist, and he can make that oh, shoulder yeah. turn, yeah. and he can make that turn better than most people. Even right? with a four hundred pound gut on him, right. guys puts a refrigerator yeah. around his body. The, the the professional game is amazing. We've had we've had a lot of debates, and and we, with the buy sell, it's been kind of fun because we've you know I think it's easy to latch yourself to the tigers and the Spieths and the guys that we know are, are great and the Thomases and that what we've kind of concluded though at the end when we kind of really like talk it through is that um because there's so many good kids coming up every week and because of the way the game is played at this point um we all get streaky we i mean we know it from our own games mm-hmm. like you have like a good weekend that you got or a good day that you go out these guys play day in and day out they're all so good now that all it takes is just that that shot and a half well, for yeah. the week and well, that that's what tips them over the edge but, and i think any of them can do it you're not going to see the dominant player like we did with Tiger. But what you, what you said right there is what I one of the most important things that Drew commented on. He said he says the best guys I saw out there. He goes like you were saying, some days you're good, some days you're bad, but the guys that could manage their tendencies that were bad. Yep. Mm-hmm. The guys that knew when they're going to have a bad day and could figure out how to like manage it's, those. It's probably where, why Charles Howell has been making mm-hmm. cuts and stuff cuz he's like he knows when he's off, but he finds a way to make pars, yeah. right? Exactly. And he, and he doesn't, you know, it doesn't blow up going for shit and whatever. He's like, you know what? I'm going for middles of greens today or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. Well, Tiger's gotten, you, you can listen to Tiger interviews going back a long time where he's like, you know, I, you know, it's kind of even that joke with the guy from Europe who does the impressions, but, you know, he's like, oh, I just didn't have it today. It was my C game, but I gutted out of 69. But that's what, you know, to your point, that's. These guys figure when out you don't, with a when you don't have C it. C game sixty nine. And you guys, you know, at Westwood, you guys do um, that decade system. Yep. And you know what, Scott Fawcett, we don't follow him on Twitter, and he'll talk about, you know, his system and all that. But Tiger does that. You know, without without he probably doesn't naturally, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Without subscribing to, he looks you know, at a bunker. Deal. He looks at penalty. You know, he looks at pins on what he, sides of greens they are, and he, he he's, he's making a, that calculation in his head already. He's a fat like I remember. There's a tweet where it was like Tiger's a fat side monster, where he only hits it to the fat part of the green. And someone I remember someone asked him. They said, "What made you so good when you're you're on?" And his strokes gained. 
from I think it was 150 yards is incredible. I think it was like three or three to almost four strokes at times, better than the entire field from like 175 to 150 yards. And that's crazy. He's gaining that much many strokes on the field, but he told somebody it's because he's like I knew I could two putt from anywhere, so I had no pressure. You know, his Jack so Jack confident. said the same thing. Jack Nicholas said he goes, I never he goes, if he goes, I, I didn't look at the flag as like if it was on the left or right. He goes, I aimed at the center. You know, meaning the fat of the green. If it was like a bigger side on the right, that's where he went for. Mm-hmm. Well, and even I mean, even a, a recent uh thing I read with um uh Fowler, he was talking to some guys that were, you know, on you know, coming up on tour and you know, obviously he hasn't been around a ton, but he's like 30, but he's like, he, the thing that he learned when he was young by talking to the other guys was that unless you have an eight iron or shorter in your hand, you're aiming at the biggest part of the green. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's funny. Like how often we, you know, we obviously take our little laser, mm-hmm. you know, range finders, we point it at the pin and we hit it. And, you know, when I probably should be just looking at the damn, um, uh, sprinkler head and just being like, you know what, what'll put me in the middle of the screen and not necessarily all the way back to the pin or t- short to the front pin or whatever it is when you're right. I probably have better odds of two putting from somewhere on the green than I do getting up and down short sided or some yeah. shit. Right. Yeah. But it's, I think it's also important to, I think it starts. Um, so Jim Farrell was the old pro at Kirkusick and he, he gave me some lessons and um, helped me with my swing we kind of started there and then started working on my putting a little bit. And he says, just like, I was out hitting balls. And he knew I was struggling up until this point. Like, honestly, last year, I always struggled with my putting. And uh, he's like, he knew I was struggling with it a little bit. And I was hitting, you know, on the range, hitting some drivers. And he's like, Did, have you worked on your three-footers? And I'm like, well, I will. And he's like, why even show up if you can't make a three-footer? That was his comment. He's it's like, true. he's like, that's where it starts. And yep. and his, I think his, his what he told me it was he, he played on tour in the seventies, and he was saying he always worked on, you know, his three footers, four footers, because no matter how well you roll the ball, you're gonna get in a spot where you're gonna have really tough, you know, lag putt. Could be from 25, 30 feet, where you just have a lot of undulation, and you just there's no way to get it to two feet, right? So you're going to have to grind over those three and four footers, and that's going to make the difference. Like Drew was talking about, there's a stroke and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you start getting confident in there, it's amazing how you your mind frees up. You don't think as much. Gosh, and I you, love it. I've you get said it closer. Before. I've said the exact same. Yeah. It's so important. When it actually like clicked what, for me in golf. But I think... what And what, what drill did I give you last year? Well, the 369 drill is... Oh, we've... That that's fantastic. Is it going? Is it being implemented with the team this year? Yes, it, it has be. to be. But when I was, you, he's even seen me doing it out yeah. on the putting green. But when I actually, when I was learning, like golf, it's the I, only thing I practice. <laughs> when I was learning golf, and I was like, you know, the ball strike. I was like, I was like, I, I, I didn't make any type of leap of becoming any type of better golfer until I learned how to improve my short game and focus on it, like getting yeah. up and down and then hitting three and four and five footers yeah. on putting and feeling confident with it. Because once I started feeling confident with it, I'd be like, I don't care if I hit a shot in the bunker or I'm short. I was so much more confident on my approach shots. I didn't care. 
well, you don't you, care too much, you're then right. you start yeah. just well. You don't you don't put if you don't put as much pressure on hitting that thing to tap in distance or lagging it to yeah. tap in distance, and if you can get it essentially within that six foot ring even and or even that three foot ring, and you're like you can step up there and know that you've hit fifty of those before or whatever it is, or it's just a, it's just a more comfortable distance for you. God, it's just. It, it, and it's a stupid drill I stumbled across when right out of college. And I, it was in a golf digest or a golf magazine or something like that. And, and I was a, I was like the traveling you know rep for Toyota at the time. And so after I'd go visit the dealership, I'd go find the, the local muni or the local club. And I'd just go hit the putting because it was, the, you know, sun was going down. It was late and I'm by myself on the freaking road. I'd just go find a driving range and a putting green. And I started working on this putting drill, man. I became like... Because I just worked on it like, yeah. all summer one year, like just doing three foot or six foot or nine foot or three foot or six foot or nine. You saw foot. what I did, like the, that. The reason I scored that well in, this, in the club, you've been you your short putting has become really good. Your lag putting still need work on, but your short putting has become a lot better. The even roll has been ordered. Oh, it's <laughs> been ordered. Oh, I, I I got my stroke lab today. I got the, the stroke lab arrived today. Well, I'm getting thirsty. We probably uh, we, yeah. we, we, we need to... Uh, we will be right back in just a second. We're going to transition. Hey, thanks, Kyle, for the yeah. all the uh, fun conversation. We're going to get into the uh, the meat of the show here, though, with uh, with a little beer tasting. Okay, so we're back uh, recording. We are going to taste... We've got a beer this week. Um, this is a pale ale that is a uh, it's a fusion so three floyds brewery and pig destroyer okay th- these are two breweries and I, I wish i could tell you where pig destroyer was out of um it was brewed and bottled at three floyds but they brought in the guys from uh, pig destroyer and I, I probably need to do more homework on that but uh, i believe they're another group out of the midwest here um they put together a pale ale it this is heavy alcohol though it's like 10 and a half percent alcohol um it's called the uh, permanent funeral pale ale, <laughs> so it'll kill you. Um, is that? And uh, let's go ahead and let's give it a whirl. We've uh, we've given over time, um, we've given Three Floyd some good plugs, but I mean they, I think they have a good variety of beers that it, it makes it makes sense for us to. do It's this. tasty, yeah. It's a little hoppier than I love, but it's you're a good not beer. an IPA guy. Not. It's a good beer though. I'm not an IPA guy, but this is good. It's good. It's got. Um, it's it got some hop- fruity. It's got some fruity flavor mm-hmm. to there, it. It's refreshing. There is a little citrus in there for sure, um, but I, I get the the hops as well. There's so there's got that kind of like bitter finish to a degree, but you definitely get the citrus in there. Um, it, just just for the folks, it's not, I'll, it's I'll take really, a picture. It's not really keto. Um, <laughs> it's it's the color on this. So it's it's really like a uh, translucent. Kind of. This you would know, be a good summer beer um, or spring, maybe better. Um, so you know, it's not like you're. There's, there's definitely some cloudiness to to the yellow, but it, it's a it's a golden you know golden color. Got some cloudiness to it. Almost reminds me of kind of like a, uh, a like a wheat beer as far as like the color, mm-hmm. but more of like an IPA. I know they're labeling it as a an I, or a pale ale, but it's simply like an IPA. Um, kind of flavor, you know. I, I think for people that like Three Floyds in Indiana, if you like um, 
zombie dust or if you like the space station or you like one of the like i think you're going to really like this right now you can get it at a bomber size at the liquor store in indiana um this fun fact story uh we were john and i were actually at a pizza joint up in culver indiana last weekend and they had this on draft so they always had like they have a tremendous draft list at this papa's pizza in culver indiana and uh they had this on draft, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll try the permanent funeral. I didn't even know. I had bought this like a month ago for when we were supposed to do this show, and I didn't realize that that's what it was on their I mean, menu. Pre-taste. And so I was like, oh, yeah, well, I'll try the permanent funeral. And I saw the alcohol. I'm like, shoot, I hope I can drive home. And uh, They were out. Well, the, the, the tap or something had like broken or the whatever had broken, so I didn't get a chance to try it. And then what's funny is then I... John's calling me today. He's like, Hey, do we have a, like a drink for tonight? And I said, Yeah, I got this beer. It's this Three Floyds thing. And I happened to pull it. And I'm like, Oh, shit. This is the thing that we were supposed to drink last Saturday. Well, so, you know, we haven't, you know, we do a buy sell with, um, with the um, players. I think we need to do a rating system with the alcohol. Let's well, go on. Let's we, just go. We, let's go. Five we've, done star. The, we've done the will you gift it? No, I will you gift it, but let's just do out of five stars. What, what, what would From you give this? From a beer level? On a beer level, five stars for any alcohol. But we can say, out of five stars, what would you give this? Uh, Kyle, you first. It was a good four. You got four on that one, so you liked it. I mean, yeah. I, I okay. I mean, I think that's fair. Um, I'm, a, I'm like a three and a half on it. I'm in between that. I'm like that. Close to a four. I mean, even, uh, I'm not even an IPA guy. This is It's a good beer. But, you know, I, I think if uh, if somebody gave me one of these bombers, I'd drink it, and I'd be good, and, and like, I'd enjoy it, but it wouldn't be something I'd go back to necessarily. Um, like, we've, we've talked about this. The space station yeah. for me is... Middle finger? Is, yeah, space yeah, station middle a, finger. That's a five. It's Three Floyd's best beer. It's, it's, it's a four and a half. Super five. drinkable. I, I, it's right up there with Gumball Head as far as, like, really drinkable I like it beers. better. I just do, I do. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think I, I can't. with beer it's tough because you got it's the setting right. So if how many you know how many do you want to drink? Good point. You know, Good point. This would be a great. Hey, I'm going to have one. Yep, it's going to be. Yep, I'm going nice to probably yeah. I'm going to have what is this? This is like a so it's the bomber. What is this? This is uh, one pint. Yeah, that's right? a good so, point, Kyle. That's a good point. Like if you're just going to have like a couple, because we just split, you could rate the star. We higher. just split one of these, the three of us, and I think we'll both enjoy or all of us will enjoy this. Yeah, you right. Could, you could rate the star higher if you know you're just going to have a couple. Yeah. It's a excellent the, point. The best if you're just going to have a couple for me, like would be. Or one would be Dragon's Milk. Like that's my five star. You know I love that. I know you do. I love, and it. I can drink like half of one of those. I love them. I mean, but if I was gonna say, hey, I'm gonna have, I want to have more than a few. There's no way. That's a two, one star. Yeah, that's a good point. I think there's a lot of IPAs. Gumball Head. Gumball Head's a good to have a few more, more yeah. than. Yeah, I think I can have a couple of those yeah. and not and not feel like I beat myself up that day. Steve is probably your best. Oh, Steve. You, you can. <laughs> How many Steves can you? Do you know what we're saying when we're saying Steve? No. It's Budweiser. Oh, uh, yeah. Budweiser's a Steve. <laughs> um, there's a bad, big background. You got to go deep into the podcast archive, I think, to, to get, know why. Steve, I mean, Steve's, you can, you can drink all day. All day. Are you a Bud Light guy or a Budweiser guy? I Bud Light. Bud Light? Yeah. Bud Light. Yeah. You can drink Bud Light all day. Oh, boy, really? Like, like for four that, days. That was like... After college, you know, when it was like, all right, I'm actually making money and I'm not buying shit beer. 
Um, I I drink. That was what I would buy. I would buy Bud Light. That was what I would buy. Um, I've I've graduated, but I think the craft beer scene totally shifted a lot of things because I, I mean, even even at that time, I like I liked Killian's, which is yeah. like a. You know, again, like a brown kind of, you know, red lager or something yeah, like that. It's so, a good beer. Yeah. That which is a at good the time, beer. you know, I mean, was like that was for, for the price was a, a different beer, had a little bit more flavor. Um, and I didn't mind it. But no, the craft beer scene just has shifted like my total viewpoint on like what I drink. And I, I, I really like that observation in that it totally depends on the setting because you're right. You might have that one IPA or two IPAs, and then you're kind of done for yeah. the night. Like, you know, you're like, you know what? I got to switch to something lighter. I can't drink more of these, or I might I might have my permanent funeral, right? right? I mean, like... I think, uh, you know, like, going, like, out to a restaurant, like, when we grab wings at Fat Dan's or something, I mean, it's good to have kind of... Like, I like to have one IPA and then switch us like an old style. Why haven't we done? Yeah. We haven't done that in a while. We need to do that. He he introduced me the first time when I first moved here. He introduced me to Fat Dance. You know what's funny is that um, having two golf professionals on the the podcast now has really put me in a position where like we need to have these guys back on more often. You guys are awesome, uh, Kyle. It's a lot of fun. This was. I, we just we love that you were able to dedicate the time. I know when we do this, it's like later in the evening. It's kind of we call it our bowling night. You're, um, you're coming back because there's um, so much more stuff I want to pick on with um, Pete. We've had so much fun. You guys obviously are just so invested in the game, and that's that's special. You know, we're we're trying to invest more in the game by doing this. I think a lot of what we talked about and how uh, we don't want to see the game dwindle we want to see like i i recognize kind of to your point that the game does have a niche Mm -hmm. you know that it's going to live in and it doesn't have to be this broad basketball baseball kind of sport that everybody loves um but it can be hockey and i know you're a hockey guy right and like there's people that just love hockey and i think it can be that and i think uh we'll see where we can take it so yeah i think as a as a golf pro i always i've kind of learned it's about um, someone told me once, and it, it, it's perfectly true. To be a good golf pro, you got to care more about other people's games than your own. And I've really found that I really enjoy that. So to see like what's neat at Chatham specifically, since I started, we've gained you know 120 members. But it's really cool to see how many friendships have been made between everybody, and that's what golf's about. And I think as long as people remember that. And it's about making new friends. It's about creating, you know, lifetime friends of someone you can, you know, not just go play golf with, but you go have beers with. Go tell um, stories with, right? Yeah, yeah, go tell stories with. Your, you know, wives become friends, kid becomes friends. And that's, golf is such a neat. Um, it's, it's a community sport. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it is, it, it, that's, that's what attracts me the most. Yeah. And that's what's neat. And you see, like, if you go to an old, you know, older club like I've been at, sometimes you don't, you already see those pre-existing relationships. But yep. It's been really fun here to see, see how many guys have, yeah, and how many people now um, are moving into the neighborhood just because it's it's cool. I mean, yeah. you know, guys got you know, you guys um, have a lot of friends here and can make um, a lot of fun memories playing basketball at night and you know all <laughs> kinds of stuff. So yeah, it's a good or group not here. playing basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. It's a great group of people. Oh man, well, hey, well, Kyle, we appreciate you coming yeah. on, bud. Thank uh, you so much time. for your time. It's a longer show this week, which is awesome. Hopefully, uh, y'all appreciate it and last through it all. Um, 
for John, Kyle, and myself. Thank you so much. And uh, go out there, hit more greens. You'll score better, we promise. See ya. Thanks.